Hello, fellow explorers. Welcome to Siren Soapbox. We're a podcast dedicated to exploring and growing outside the confines of a comfort zone. This week is another installment of our mystery episode series. Only one of us knows what today's show is about. That's me. I'm Siren Murr. And the only instructions I gave my fellow sirens is to think about a time they learned that something wasn't real or how and how they felt about it or something that they really hoped was real, but they maybe deep down knew it wasn't. So we're all going to get up on our soapbox and talk about that. But if at any time the conversation gets too intense, the safe word that stops all the conversation is. Mango. First up on her soapbox is Sarah. Well, I kind of pick the obvious fake news stories we are told as kids to soapbox about. You know, Santa and the Easter Bunny. I know there are others, but the discovery that these two weren't real bothers me still. I mean, I don't dwell on it, probably, but the way I found out that neither of these mystical gift-bringing entities really existed sort of highlights some of the pretty unpleasant pieces of my childhood, if I'm honest. I was thinking about it all weekend, trying to figure out how to talk about it all, and I have to confess, I don't think I have a good way to do so without really delving into some stuff that I'm pretty sure is not where this episode is supposed to go. Shit, I, at least I hope so. What I can say is that over the years is that over the years I've seen some pretty smooth ways to break the news about these sorts of fake stories that sort of lessen the you lied to me response that some kids may feel. Trust is a big deal in the relationship between parent and child, um, amongst other relationships, and it can be tough to trust after finding out that you've been duped. But anyway, I hope that no one listening has been shocked or is going to be shocked by any of these myth-busting stories that we're about to hear. Um, but I can't wait to find out what Siren Burr has in store for us this uh, this evening. Jess, what did you find out wasn't true? Well, I really struggled with this soapbox because I honestly don't remember any of my finding out stories. Like I, I really don't remember finding out about Santa or the Easter Bunny or anything like that. And I really wonder how parents do it nowadays in this age of social media and the internet and it just seems like it has to be really hard to keep that secret and keep that wonder and you know I still have the wonder about Santa and the Easter Bunny and elves and all that and you know it's just so pure and fun why do you you know why would you want to lose that but so I didn't really focus on that I focused on what I want to be true and even that, I really don't have anything that I want to be true besides like superpowers. Because <laughs> I think something like teleportation would be great because there's so many places I really want to travel. And, um, you know, traveling is expensive and takes time. So if I could just teleport, that would be great. So that's one thing that I would really love to be true. And it's not. Um, I don't think superpowers are what Mer is going to be focusing on tonight. But you That's where I went with it. <laughs> it's true. It's a mystery. It could be. <laughs> Who knows what's in Mer's brain box over there? <laughs> so Mer, let's hear your soapbox and maybe it'll give us a hint what we're talking about tonight. Probably not. But the time that I learned that Santa Claus wasn't real was quite traumatic for me and probably one of the reasons that I don't really care for Christmas as a holiday. I was seven years old, and I don't know if that's too old to still believe. I don't know. My kids believed until they were a little bit older than that. Actually, Gracie was probably seven. 
I don't know, maybe not. Anyway, on Christmas morning this year, my little sister and I opened our presents and we played with our toys and had lots of fun as children do on Christmas. And we left our toys laying around while we got ready to head to grandma and grandpa's house. And my mom didn't love that we left our toys laying around and had a complete meltdown, which wasn't new to us. We probably wouldn't have even been bothered by it, except these words or something like them flew out of her mouth. I bought all these nice toys for you and you just leave them laying on the floor. And at that moment, I realized Santa wasn't real. All the pictures at the mall, all the letters written, all the Christmases past and now future had suddenly lost all their magic. And I was heartbroken. I vowed to not spoil the Santa surprise in a fit of rage when it came to raising my own children and happy to report that I succeeded there. I also remember a time a few years ago when I learned that narwhals were in fact real. Now, I don't remember the details, but I do remember a sense of awe at the realization that such a magical creature actually exists. And learning about narwhals just about made up for the loss of that magic Christmas, of that magic on Christmas morning many decades ago. TC, tell us your story about something you learned was not true. One day while I was at church, I was having an argument with a little boy who was about my age, probably six-ish. He claimed that there was no such thing as Santa. Side note, I've always struggled a bit trying to decide when to give up on things or no longer believe in them. I mean, I believed it. So if it's not true, then I was wrong. Who's to say I'm not wrong now? I never know when to quit believing or give up on something. It's a real struggle for me. Anyway, I explained to this kid that, of course, Santa exists. My dad told me he does, and my dad would not lie to me. He insisted that we go together to confront my father with this question. Is Santa a real person? And so we did. I marched up to my father with this boy right behind me, and I asked the question, head held high with all the confidence in the world that he would say, of course, Santa's a real person. And my dad confessed that he was not. And I stood there feeling like a fool for believing it and also feeling betrayed. I wondered what else wasn't true. It was a tough lesson to learn. But the other lesson I learned was the importance of being honest. And I've had a tough time lying my entire life which sounds like a good thing, but aren't there times that lying doesn't hurt or that maybe it's the best option? Maybe. So this made me wonder, what do I choose to believe in now that I know deep down does not exist? I really don't think there is anything. So I sent Dino a message while he was at work and asked the question, and he didn't even pause to think about it. He immediately responded. I saw the little word typing at the top of WhatsApp right away. He said, Godzilla. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I do talk about Godzilla a lot. For example, anytime we're sitting in a traffic jam, I wonder what we do if Godzilla showed up. Would it be smarter to leave the car and run or to drive away from him as fast as we could go? And not just in traffic jams, but on a long deserted road or on a road with barriers on both sides in a large crowd of people or in tall buildings. I don't really think Godzilla exists, but he occurs to me often. 
Would my life change if Godzilla really did exist? Well, it would change if he showed up while I was driving down a long country road. By the way, I'd leave the car and run. Godzilla's really big, and I feel like he's more likely to notice and pick up a car than he is a person hiding under a bush. So that's where I'd be. Maybe I'd be more careful to enjoy every day and make sure I'm kind to people I love every chance I get if I was concerned that Godzilla was going to show up and reach down and pick me up at any given moment. So maybe the world would be a better place with Godzilla in it. Mer, I'm really curious what this episode is going to be all about. Well, Sirens, I came across a card game while I was out shopping for Christmas presents last year, and I knew as soon as I saw it that it was going to be my next mystery episode. So I know we all love games, and this one boasts itself as a conversation starter. Sounds like a win-win. Mark and I played while we were out having tacos not too long ago, and it did spark up some fun conversations, but most conversations I have with that man are fun, but I digress. What is the game, you ask? It's a card game called Urban Legends. The box says conversation starters for the whole family. So what's an urban legend? According to Wikipedia, an urban legend, sometimes contemporary legend, modern legend, urban myth or urban tale is a genre of folklore comprising fallacious claims of stories circulated as true, especially as having happened to a friend of a friend or a family member, often with horrifying, humorous, or cautionary elements. <laughs> These legends can be entertaining, but often concern mysterious peril or troubling events, such as disappearances and strange objects or entities. Urban legends may confirm moral standards, reflect prejudices, or be a way to make sense of total anxieties. I'm sorry, of social anxieties. So I did riff off of Sarah's mystery episode, Two Truths and a Fib, U.S. and U.K. Law Edition, which we recorded back in December of 2022. It was released in February. It's episode 118. Check it out if you haven't heard it yet. Um, but for this game, my friends, we are playing two urban legends and a fact. But I have a question. Yes. Is fallacious really a word? Because when you said that, I couldn't listen to anything else you said after that because it felt dirty. Because <laughs> you're thinking fallacio. But <laughs> it's that's what it said. That's what I copied from um, Wikipedia. But that is just things put on a page by people like you and me. Maybe I'm pronouncing the word wrong. I think a challenge for our listeners should be to say fallacious sometime between <laughs> now and one week from today and let us know how it goes. That's your challenge. <laughs> I'm just looking it up real quick. What if it is just a fake word? What if I just pronounced it wrong? What, what if the results on is, your it's, Google? It's true. It's right. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's fallacious. It's uh, based on mistaken belief. So hmm. There you go. How's it different from false? Well, Tracy, it was just a more fancier way of saying false, probably. <laughs> That's my a guess. A dirtier way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> this episode has taken a All right. So I riffed off of Sarah's last mystery episode, Two Truths and a Fib. We, we already talked about all that. Anyway, 
we'll we're gonna play 12 rounds um i will read you two urban legends and one fact from this card deck and you have to decide which one is the fact the siren who raises her hand first we had lots of practice in this with the murder mystery game <laughs> under reactions the siren who raises her hand first will get the chance to answer first and each siren is to keep track of their own score so remember like sara said if you lose it's your own fault <laughs> my phone screen is going to have a seizure again <laughs> i already got done right i was so excited <laughs> nice job tc all right. Does anybody have any questions before we begin this this round of two urban legends and a fact? No questions. I I just have to comment that I'm going to have to. I'm trying to focus because now I'm thinking about all the ways that the world would be better with Godzilla. Right. <laughs> and yes, for sure. So I'll, I'll try to concentrate. Okay. All right. Here's the first one. Round one. What? Why is that face? Yeah, I was what trying means? to see what I was trying to see what Jess was holding into the screen. I couldn't look like a bottle of nail polish. I didn't know what it was. Oh. I wanted to send oh. you guys uh, bells to ding, but I didn't have time because I thought about it too late. So that's for the next mystery mm -hmm. game. Okay. okay. The 1919 Chicago White Sox baseball team intentionally lost the World Series in what's now called the Black Sox scandal. That's the first one. The second one. The New, York the New York Yankees began wearing pinstripe uniforms in the 1920s in an effort to make hitter Babe Ruth appear thinner. Or this one, the maple leaf on the Canadian flag has 11 points, one point for each of the province and an additional point for the territories. So we have Chicago White Sox intentionally losing. New York Yankees wearing pinstripes to make Big Ruth look thinner, or the 11 points on a maple leaf on the Canadian flag. One for each province and territory. Siren TC. So I'm supposed to say which one I think is not fallacious? Exactly. Okay. The, the non-fallacious one. The non the non fallacious is Babe Ruth had a beer belly. <laughs> no, TC, I am sorry. That is an urban legend. The Bronx Bombers have been wearing the ubiquitous pinstripe uniform since 1915. At the time, the great Bambino was neither a Yankee nor a great. He was just starting his major league career as a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. So sorry, TC, that is not a fact. Sorry. Plus, everyone knows pinstripes don't make you look thinner. <laughs> Depends. They on... go up and down. Yeah, I think I think pinstripes do make you yeah. look thinner. No. Sarah, hmm. what say you? Um, I, I think the uh, first, the, the Chicago White Sox story, I believe that that is the true story. That is true. Eight members of the 1919 White Sox team were accused of throwing the World Series as part of a gambling bet. The players were acquitted in court, signed confessions, had conveniently gone missing, but they were all permanently banned from playing professional baseball after that. Thank you, Kevin Costner. Thank you, Kevin Costner, for helping Sarah win that round <laughs> of two urban Was legends that and a fact. Did you, did you say 1919? Oh, gosh. Yes, I did say that. So um, the fact, this is about the maple leaf. The fact that the maple leaf has 11 points is completely coincidental. A previous design was nearly identical, but had two additional points at the bottom of the leaf. 
When criticism came back that the leaf was too busy, the designer removed the two points and the flag was approved. Oh, Canada. So now you know about the maple leaf. <laughs> it was an accident. All that's right. Funny. That's the that's the last one I would have chosen to be true. Well, it was it wasn't true. So no, I mean the one that was true is the oh. last one I would have chosen. Yeah, you know, I I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about nefarious things, and I probably unfortunately would have picked that one to be true. Sports betting is a Ben thing. Ben will be proud, Sarah, and Dino will not be proud of me. <laughs> well, truly, like I said, it's Field of Dreams. That's part of the story, part of the movie is hmm. recounting that story. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. It's been a right. long time since I watched that. All right, round two. It's either that or I'm just brilliant. I'd go with that. Okay. All right, our first story. Japanese bank robbers sent a thank you note to a bank after robbing it of $5.4 million. Story number two. After robbing a church in St. Petersburg, Russia, the thieves' getaway car was struck by lightning while fleeing the scene. The thieves were killed and the car was destroyed. Be beware the wrath of an angry god. Or <laughs> our third story. Pouring sugar into the gas tank of an enemy's car will cause the sugar to dissolve in the gasoline and then caramelize the engine, completely junking the car. Sara. The sugar in the engine is true. Not according to this game. Jess. <laughs> well, I knew that that one, the last one was not true. Um, the, I am going with the church one. Um, let's see. So the getting struck by lightning. So this says. Yeah. There is no record of a church robbery and subsequent lightning strike leading to the deaths on the road in St. Petersburg. The video that claims to show this is footage from a head-on crash edited to suggest cosmic retribution. TC, which one do you pick? I'm going to say that it's the thank you note from the bank robbers. Ding, ding, ding. The thank you note read, thank you very much for the bonus. We can live on this loot for life. <laughs> Can I say, as a financial services professional, what the hell kind of bank is keeping $5.2 million in their vault? This must you have been a long time that. ago. It had, it, this was before regulators came along <laughs> and said, you know what, maybe you shouldn't keep that much cash on site. Maybe that's a bad plan. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as the uh, sugar in the gas tank, this is what the card says. While sugar in a gas tank isn't a good thing and will certainly lead to significant repairs, a little, in parentheses, even a lot of, sugar isn't going to total a car in otherwise good repair. Nice try. Although uh, Ben so and I just bought a car with sugar in the gas tank last Monday. So, Oh, on purpose? Yes. Why? Yeah. They were selling it for really, really cheap, and the shop says to flush it is only like $300. So there you go. So if you run it with sugar in the gas tank for a long time, it can eventually get past the fuel filter and get to like the fuel injectors and stuff like that. And if it gets to that point, then the engine is pretty much shot, but it doesn't actually dissolve. So in theory, your fuel filter should keep all of it out of your engine. 
So mm-hmm. what I'm hearing is if you want to mildly inconvenience your enemies, you should pour some sugar in their gas tank. <laughs> yep. I'm also hearing that that uh, Jess just bought a car that used to belong to somebody that some people hate. And yeah. so hopefully you don't end up with more bad things happening to your car because why else would there be sugar in the tank? Good point, TC. Apparently she also spray painted the license plates on it black. And yeah, it's a lady that lives in an old people's uh, housing development here. And I'm just wondering why old people are so dramatic because by the time I'm that old, I'm done with that shit. Dude, she sounds like a homewrecker. She pissed off some woman, some scorned woman, came and dumped sugar in her gas tank and blacked out her license plate. You should just put a sign up that says new owner, who dis? Yes. <laughs> Please don't wreck this truck. I guess I've seen too many um, of those uh, movies and shows where people are trying to do things to each other. And so uh, I remember one episode where they put sugar in the, I think it was the motorcycle's gas tank. Mm. And it, it screwed with the functioning. So I just extrapolated from there that it would ruin the engine. But Man. apparently Mythbusters also did an episode on it, which I have not watched. But All right. Next round. Are you guys ready? Yes. This one went a little dark. Sorry about that. And <laughs> the first story. In 2014, two 12-year-old girls lured another classmate into the woods and stabbed her 19 times on behalf of Slender Man. Story number two. A babysitter calls the parents of the young children she's babysitting and asks permission to move the clown statue in the bedroom because it's creepy. Run, they say. We don't have a clown statue. Oh. <laughs> or number three, a girl watching TV alone saw a man outside in the snow with a knife. From under a blanket, she called the police. They only found footprints behind her couch. The man was inside. She saw his reflection on the TV. Sara, which one is the fact? First, I want to say both of those, the two, the two second ones, the second and third one, I should say, those are all like scary movies. Like mm. I, I, the second one sounds like Stephen King, but um, I that story about the Slender Man, I believe that is the true story. Unfortunately, that is true. Um, the back of the card says, many people do not believe Slender Man is real, one of the girls said, according to the criminal complaint. We wanted to prove the skeptics wrong. Sadly, Slender Man is an internet phenomenon, and there was nothing for them to prove. Very, very sad. The two urban legends, let's see, the, the babysitter calls the parents. The legend has been around since the early 2000s. It combines two favorite urban legend themes, unsuspecting babysitters and clowns. While this is only legend, it probably is good practice to avoid cre- creepy clown statues. Do you guys remember when clowns were like terrorizing the nation? Not all that long ago. Mm-hmm. And by terrorizing, I mean they were just like dressed up as clowns walking around. <laughs> That's all it takes. They're creepy. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I don't Lots think of people actually, are scared of clowns. I don't think they actually committed any crimes. I think they were just present and people found it unsettling. All right, and then the the knife, the guy with the knife and the reflection in the window. This card says, so many variations of this legend, so little time. It is enough to say that this is a classic urban legend and there are no records of this happening in real life. It does make for a whopper of a campfire story, though. Tracy, what are your thoughts on clowns? 
Yeah, I like clowns. I used to dress up like a clown for my um, my nephews and my niece for their birthdays. You did? Hmm. I just wasn't sure how you'd feel about it with because they they're close to having masks on. Yeah. Plus yeah. Jo- plus, John Wayne Gacy was a birthday clown. Yeah. So hmm. there's that. Tracy, I did not know this about you. Did you have a clown name? Um, no, but I did at least three years. Bill probably has pictures of it somewhere. I don't think yes, I do. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah, we're going to need that. Sorry, get on that. For the okay. cover of this episode. Write that down. Five pictures of Tracy in a clown costume. Yeah. All right, next round. Oh, you guys. I went a little dark again. I didn't mean to. I think I think <laughs> urban no, legends are sometimes dark, unfortunately. Yeah, I think a lot of them are dark. <laughs> they're meant to warn you about things. Okay, number one. A family of six was killed after drinking tea brewed in a kettle that contained a dead, deadly spider. SARS first nightmare. Number two, a number of people were murdered after taking Tylenol that had been poisoned. And number three, a girl wearing a used gown dies a few hours after she puts it on. She was poisoned by embalming fluids. The secondhand shop owner admits that the dress was used in a funeral. It was soaked in embalming fluids. Sarah. So sad to say that the Tylenol story is true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I remembered that one too, but I couldn't get my, I couldn't find my cursor. You know what? You didn't have enough practice Monday because you were the uh, cruise coordinator, not a participant. Exactly. (laughs) So yes, that is the sad truth. In 1982, seven people in Chicago died of cyanide poisoning after taking Tylenol that had been tampered with. There is still speculation as to whether this was a random crime or the attempt to cover up one intentional murder with six additional victims. In any case, it's still unsolved. And there are 18 million podcasts about it if you want to learn more about that event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the, the yeah, venomous spider in the tea. Spiders are venomous, not poisonous. Their venom must be injected into the bloodstream to have an effect on humans. Not to mention that venom from even a very venomous spider diluted in enough tea for an entire family and then boiled would not have been enough potency to kill anything at all. How do they know for sure? Well, Sara, I'm guessing that science is always looking for volunteers. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Sarah, do not volunteer. And as far as the gown soaked in embalming fluid, the theory is that as the young woman dances, her body temperature rises, allowing the embalming fluids to seep into her pores, but it never happened. The, ur- the urban legend has been around since the 1940s, hmm. back when embalming fluid was scary. Was that four rounds? Was that the first four rounds? Who's keeping score? I am. Sarah's kicking butt. Mm-hmm. I have zero points. Oh, that's your fault. <laughs> I know. I have five points so far. Nice job, TC. How many points do you have, Sarah? 18. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did well, I say five? I meant five, five, 55. <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> I wasn't aware we can just assign ourselves points. In that case, I have a lot more. <laughs> Listen, if you remember Sarah's rule. If you don't win, that's your own fault. <laughs> All right. Round five, a driver, this is first story, a driver who stops on a certain railroad crossing in San Antonio, Texas, 
will feel their car rolling off the tracks to safety. When the driver checks the car, she finds child-sized handprints all along the back bumper. Story number two. A hundred years ago, you could buy a special coffin that would let you ring a bell or raise a flag over your gravesite from within your coffin, just in case you rose from the dead. And story number three, an elderly man died in a Halloween haunted house and his corpse went unnoticed for two weeks. Haunted house goers and employees all thought he was a prop. Ew. <laughs> TC, you had your hand up first. What say you? What's the fact? So I do know that you used to be able to um, ring a bell from a coffin if you were buried. But I thought that was because you, in case you were buried alive, because that happened. And I think that's where the saying saved by the bell comes from. So I'm going with story number two. All right. Well, the, that answer is that it's a fact. Well, sort of. The safety coffin was invented in the late 19th century after hundreds of people were buried or nearly buried alive. This was more about protecting yourself against shoddy doctors than preparing to become undead. <laughs> nice job, TC. I had heard that and that's why they had like, didn't they have family members like sit by the gravesides? of their loved ones for a certain period of time to make sure they didn't ring a bell or something? I don't know. Hmm. Oh, very creepy. All right. So as far as the corpse in the haunted house, though several people have died while trying to set up spooky Halloween decorations, this story is false. Yeah. I mean, after not too much time, they would begin to smell. I mean, that corpse would not hang out unnoticed for too long, I don't think. And then the railroad crossing with the phantom car pushing to safety. The story goes that all the school children on a bus were killed by an on. This says an oncoming train, but I'm sure it meant oncoming train. <laughs> when the bus stalled on the tracks at the railroad crossing. Since then, the ghosts of the children pushed lingering cars off the tracks to avoid another tragedy. But these events have never been documented. Now, I think that there's probably a similar story to that in almost every small town across the nation. We have one over here. It's on Buffalo Ridge, supposedly. If you supposedly, supposedly, that's a friend of it. Supposedly. Um, <laughs> there's a place where if you like park on a hill and put your car in neutral instead of rolling back, some crazy forces will push it up the hill but I've never experienced that or tried to experience it for myself. Isn't there, there's something like that close to here, isn't there? Probably. There's one in every small town or large town. Is that what you're saying? I feel like we brought that up in our haunted things episode. Oh, I don't remember. Hmm. But okay. if you're listening. Haunted your period, railroad crossing. That was January 13th, 2023. Look up the episode. And uh, leave us a comment. <laughs> Let us know what we forgot. All right. Are you guys ready for round six? All right. First story is very short. You can't, you cannot drink too much water. Story number two. 
Tibetan monks can elevate their body temperature by practicing an ancient type of yoga called Jitumo. And the third story, victims of organ harvesters usually lone travelers wake up in a hotel bathtub filled with ice. A nearby note informs them that their kidney has been removed and suggests seeking medical attention. <laughs> Sara, you had your hand up first. Yeah, but I think I, I'm not sure I, I heard correctly. The first one, it says that it's you cannot drink. That's correct. Okay. Um, so I think the true story is the third story. About the kidney? Yeah. Um, let's see. This says urban legend, very terrifying and also very untrue. There has never been a documented case of this happening. The National Kidney Foundation has even asked that any victims of this come forward for thorough treatment and so far at least no one has taken them up on it. Too many episodes of Law and Order, I tell you. Right. TC, what do you think? It is on, it is on Law and Order. Um, I think that it's not the water and it's not the kidney. It's the other one. Tibetan monks can elevate their temperature by a special yoga. Yes. That yes. is a fact. A series of studies starting in 1981 have shown that practicing Jitumo, I'm probably butchering the name, or inner fire yoga can significantly raise your body temperature, whether you're a Tibetan monk or not. Nice job, TC. Yeah, I think the brain is way more powerful than we give it credit for, so. Yeah, yeah. All right, so back to the water. You can, in fact, drink too much water. Drinking too much water too fast can dilute the salt in your body and keep vital organs from working properly. Don't drop the water bottle so fast though, you would have to drink gallons of water very quickly for that to happen. Yes, like that, Sarah. All right, we're halfway through. How's everybody feeling? So good. Yeah, I'm not fun. good. <laughs> are, you are you glad that you came tonight yes. to play? All right. Mm -hmm. Round seven, I think. I don't have any visual aids. TC just confirmed. All right. First story. Lobsters mate for life and can be seen walking claw and claw throughout their old age. Story number two. A duck's quack doesn't echo and there's no scientific reason why. And the third story. Domestic dogs and wolves are 99.9% .9 genetically identical. TC, you had your hand up first. She's his lobster. It's a he, Friends episode. The lobster is an urban legend. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> it says this one is so false. Lobster mating habits are closer to a one night stand than anything else. <laughs> oh, baby. They she misled me. <laughs> they generally mate and then never see each other again. Sorry, she's just not that into you. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah. So, uh, the third, what was the third? Domestic fact? dogs and wolves yes. are 99.9% .9 genetically identical. That one. 
And that is, in, that is in fact, a fact. Check yourself before you withhold that next treat from Fido. Domestic dogs from golden retrievers to miniature poodles and wolves are more closely related than any other two animals. Woof. Crazy, huh? Ow. Oh, oh, oh. I can do a really good rooster. You guys are here. <laughs> That is pretty good. Can't confirm. That's going to come in handy one day. So, sorry. Talk to the chicken too when you come visit, Mer. (laughs) That was my quiet rooster. All right. So, as far as the duck quack not echoing, it says, come on. Sound always echoes in the right environment, and a duck's quack is no different. They did a Mythbusters on that one, too. So people actually go around saying that a duck's quack doesn't echo? That seems bonkers to me. Apparently enough that Mythbusters felt they had to do an episode on it. (laughs) I guess. What about a tree falling out in the woods with nobody to hear it? Does that echo? Mark and I had this conversation yesterday. We were driving down the street and a tree had fallen. He was like, did it it make a sound? I was like, sure, Dave. He's like, what if no one was around? I said, it always makes a sound. He said, you can't prove it because you weren't there. How you know it made a sound? But also, isn't sound a vibration in the the bones in your ear or something? So if nobody's around for that to happen, then perhaps the real answer is no. And then it couldn't have echoed either, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, the bugs heard it. That I just were don't... living in the tree. I don't know. She said no one. So I'm assuming that means all living creatures. I just don't even know so if, right now. I think if there know. aren't if there aren't any ear bones vibrating, then we're back to fallacious being a dirty word. <laughs> Can you imagine how much fun that discussion would be in a bar after lots of drinks? Oh, God, yeah. I know. Or after a teeny tiny dose of mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Round eight. Sustaining a bite from the rare reverse zombie tick can make you a vegetarian story number two bubble yum chewing gum is made with spider eggs to achieve that soft slippery consistency i have to go sorry i don't know if you noticed but this rounds for you girl and story number three tarantula eggs can incubate inside a household cactus for weeks before the baby spiders explode out of the plant and invade the home, making everyone nearby an easy target. (laughs) Jess, you had your hand up first. (laughs) Excuse me while I vomit and then I'll answer the question. Uh, I am going with the first one. The reverse zombie tick can make you a vegetarian? Yeah. Oh, that's a fact. So commonly known as the Lone Star Tick, due to a single spot on the tick's back, the reverse zombie tick's bite can trigger red meat allergies that can result in symptoms ranging from mild hives to anaphylactic shock. Get it? If zombies crave meat, this tick makes you a reverse zombie. 
one of my sister's friends or my brother's friends, one of my siblings' friends actually uh, had Lyme disease and now can no longer eat red meat. Yeah, what a bummer. I love a good steak. It's my first point. Oh, good job. <laughs> but I will say that card's a little misleading because- I'm on the board. You can still eat poultry, it sounds like, or pork, just not cow. So, all right. Are brains red meat? I don't think they're red meat, so maybe maybe it doesn't count. Hmm, maybe. So as far as bumble yum goes, there is nothing outlandish in those ingredients. Definitely not spider eggs. The corporation that owns the gum brand spent hundreds of thousands of dollars fighting this rumor in the early 90s. <laughs> that was that rumor that was before the internet can you imagine what kind of havoc you could you could unleash on somebody's company right now all right and then as far as a tarantula and the cactus a tarantula might lay eggs on the outside of a cactus she would never burrow into a cactus to start her family and nor would any spider even if a spider did manage to make a small hole in a cactus and lay eggs there the baby spiders would never explode out of the plant so sarah you are Phew. safe for a little while yes. at least all right now i'm just worried about if, if it wasn't bubble yum maybe it was the big league chew Ooh. Maybe Big League Chew used the spider eggs. One of them probably did. Not what I, do. I had a lot, of, gum again? a lot of Big League Chew in my past. Mm -hmm. I was so cool. So cool. All right. So that we are two thirds of the way done. How's everybody feeling? Awesome. We have, we have time to finish this game up, you think? Sweet. All right. Round nine. Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary, a maximum high security prison off the coast of San Francisco, was inescapable. Number two, the Washington Memorial is only held together by friction and gravity, like a giant Jenga tower. And number three, when the Titanic was sinking, a man dressed up as a woman to claim a spot on one of the lifeboats, which were reserved for women and children only. Tracy. Going with man dressed up as a woman. Urban legend. There is no evidence that this happened. No survivors recall it, and all male survivors were found innocent of this claim. The women and children first rule was more of a standard of the time than an official rule, and many men ended up on lifeboats when no one else could be convinced to board. Sarah. I guess I'll go with the second fact. The Washington Memorial is held together by friction and gravity. Hell yeah. Ding, ding, ding. The Washington Monument is truly a feat of engineering. There is no mortar or glue holding the 555 foot high structure together. You might want to think twice about visiting on a windy day. Or just don't lean on the walls. I mean, don't push too hard. <laughs> don't like go around kicking the Washington Monument, nothing like that. Oh, and uh, Alcatraz, many prisoners tried to escape, but only three succeeded. And in June 1962, John Anglin, Clarence Anglin, and Frank Morris beat enormous odds and escaped the famed prison without a trace. That case still remains unsolved today. Again, one mm -hmm. bajillion podcasts about the escape from Alcatraz, if you're interested in learning more. And a couple hey. movies. <laughs> thanks, thanks to Clint Eastwood for that one. Yes. 
Thank you, Clinty. Yeah. Yeah, they made like raft boats out of uh, rain jackets and stuff. They were, it, it was a pretty crazy escape. All right, round nine? Ten. ten. Round ten. ten. Story number one, actor George Clooney has an open tab at Chipotle Mexican Grill that anyone can use for a free burrito saying, this one's on Clooney. Story number two. A member of a Dixieland band died after being struck in the head by a slide trombone. And story number three, a football fan was killed by a flying lawnmower at an NFL game in 1979. TC. I'm going lawnmower. Ding, ding, ding. During a Jets-Patriot game at Shea Stadium in 1979, a halftime show featuring remote control airplanes went horribly wrong when one of the models, shaped like a lawnmower, suddenly took a nosedive into the stands. Two men were injured, one of whom died from his injuries several days later. Worst day at the ballpark ever. Um, George Clooney does not have an open tab at Chipotle, in case you're wondering. Don't embarrass yourself by trying that one. <laughs> I was going to try it tomorrow. And there are some enthusiastic trombone players out there, but none who have slid their slide with enough enthusiasm to kill the man in front of them. Play on, playa. So, please try Please. Please try it tomorrow. Let me know how it goes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Round 11. Where, what are we scores? Where are we standing? TC has four. Sarah has five. And I have one. Hmm. Those scores are a lot less interesting than they were last time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Story. I mean, I have 563. Oh, nice job. Nice comeback, Jess. Yeah. Thanks. So good. I tried hard. All right. And un story number one, an unsuspecting tourist was electrocuted while crossing a street in Las Vegas and died. Story number two, after causing the deaths of all of its handlers, a cursed Egyptian mummy is placed on board the Titanic, leading to the ship's, the famous ship's demise. And story number three, the construction of the Hoover Dam was so dangerous and worker deaths were so common that bodies of fallen workers were entombed in the concrete of the dam. TC. Hoover Dam, baby. Hoover Dam. That is an urban legend. Somewhere between 96 and 112 workers did die in the five years it took to build the Hoover Dam, but none of them ended up entombed in it. And that's a damn that's fact. Great. Zara, <laughs> how do they know what if somebody murdered somebody and put him in there i mean they don't know for sure i mean i guess it could have been like one of the concrete guys again i watch a lot of law and order yeah and criminal minds there was a lot of criminal minds on this end yeah um now i've forgotten what the other two were oh um after causing the deaths of all of its handlers, a cursed Egyptian mummy is placed on board Not the Titanic. Okay. An unsuspecting Taurus was electrocuted while crossing a street in Las Vegas and died. You think it's that one? I mean, I guess it must be. Because <laughs> I don't is, think it's the curse. That is a fact. 
I mean, when you hear the word curse, you can often assume it's an urban legend is my guess. I'm guessing that that's one of those <laughs> keywords that clues you in. Um, anyway, this woman stepped on a metal plate that covered the wiring for the traffic lights and officials think that frayed wires in a recent rainstorm that left the crosswalk wet combined to create the perfect storm of conditions for electrocution. Probably not the jack. <laughs> God, this is so insensitive. Probably not the jackpot she was hoping to hit while in Sin City. Wow. I know. Ouch. Can you believe that? <laughs> um, as far as the mummy goes, this is a well-crafted and thrilling tale. It is also super untrue. Say what you want or say what you will about the Egyptian curses. There was never a mummy aboard the Titanic. Pretty yeah. sure that uh, Leo would have talked about that. Yeah, I bet he would have. He'd have been like, Rose, yeah. get this. There's a fucking mummy down here. That's where they would have been, not in a backseat <laughs> of a car. Right? I love that. I love that Sarah gets all of her information and facts from movies. Like, I just, I don't know who's keeping track of how many movies she has quoted tonight, but it's a lot. It's a lot of movies. <laughs> All right, this is our final round. This is for all the marbles. I think that's a saying. <laughs> Story number one. A pair of sisters died when their cars collided head on as each was on their way to the other's house for a surprise visit. Man, that sounds terrible. A real life Cruella DeVille was arrested in Texas after it was discovered that she was killing her neighbor's cats in order to make fur coats. And in the 1980s, this is number three, in the 1987 movie, Three Men and a Baby, there's a scene where you can see the ghost of a boy who haunted the home the movie was filmed, the movie was filmed in behind the curtains of one of the windows. Sara. The Three Men and a Baby story. That's an urban legend. No, I've seen it. Have you? Well, I mean. <laughs> So you can see a figure in one of the scenes, but it's not a ghost. It's a cardboard cutout of the movie star wearing a top hat. The movie was also filmed on a soundstage, not in a house. So there's no truth to the haunted house rumors either. Mm -hmm. Nice try, Sarah. TC, what say you? You know, I want to say the Cruella story is the one, but the one about the sisters, that just seems so bland that it's probably the true one i'm still gonna go with cruella urban legend cat ladies and sirs rejoice there is no truth to this legend at all but unfortunately sara what does that make true uh the, the sisters wait, hit wait, out. What? wait just stop. stop listen i don't i make the rules and they were if your hand goes up first sara raised her hand before jess did no, she never put hers back down. Um, are you sure? I thought she did. Yeah, it was It was the three of us all had our hands up. I answered first and was wrong. I know, but then I thought yeah. you put your hand down and then put it back up. All right, no. well then, Jess, I, you I feel, tell us I, what the unfortunate like truth fair. is. Listen, I'm still going to lose. <laughs> but it's the sisters driving. That's Just exactly horrible. right. It is horrible. In 2002, really in 2002, the two sisters were traveling both in Jeeps and opposite directions on a rural, rural, I can't, that is a word that I cannot say, rural, 
rural highway in Alabama. One of the cars <laughs> crossed the center line, causing the fatal accident. And this one is a true tragedy. Oh, yes. Very, horrible. very sad to end on. Unless you want to end on one more bonus round so we don't end on murder. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Final round. <laughs> Story number one. Attracted by the sugary remains of a snack, a group of ants crawled into a boy's ear and made their way to his brain, wreaking havoc until he died. Number two, a viral video released in 2015 shows a spider breaking through the peel of a banana, putting scores of internet sufferers off the fruit. Oh, putting scores of internet surfers. I said sufferers because anybody watching bananas or spiders explodes from bananas are definitely <laughs> internet sufferers. Um, but <laughs> putting scores of internet surfers off the fruit. Okay. And the third one. People drink coffee made from beans that have been digested by elephants. TC. I thought you were going to say cats. I think that's cats. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, spiders in the banana. Urban legend. This, <laughs> the, video, <laughs> the video definitely exists. Just Google spider banana video, but the images were created by a young computer graphic artist named Caleb Lakowski and not by an actual spider bursting through an actual banana peel. And don't confuse Kyle Lakowski with Jeff Lebowski, different people. Sara. I feel like it's the, what was the first one? Because I feel like it was that one. Attracted by the sugary remains of a snack, a group of ants crawled into a boy's ear and made their way to his brain, wreaking havoc until he died. That's an urban legend. There are many variations of this story, but they're all false. There is no way for an insect to enter a human's ear and make its way to the brain without going through layers of bone first. So rest I feel like people. there's a spider that could do it, I'm sure. Jess. It's the elephants. It's elephant poo coffee. So black ivory coffee is made from beans digested by elephants. The elephant is fed coffee beans and the beans are later fished out of the elephant's poop, roasted, and then made into coffee. But TC, you are right. The civet also eats coffee berries and poops out the beans and we roast them. So there are apparently you can get coffee from two different types of animal poo and I'm bo both grossed out by it and intrigued by it. Hmm. Would you eat it? I would, Who drink, would eat poo coffee. I would drink poo coffee for sure. Nope. I'm not sure I would have any need to do so. I cannot uh, swear that it's never happened before. I mean, if that's a regular way to make coffee beans that people then use, I'd venture to say we all may have had it before and just not know it. But I can tell you that if I knew that that's what it was, I would probably respectfully decline. I yeah. think it's super expensive. I think you would know if that's what you were drinking. Yeah, it's not like Tracy's right. It is very expensive because there's only a, a small amount of it is produced. Um, what could the possible benefits be? This is what I want to know. What who could the tried it? Right. Who was the first person to do this? Were they, who was the did first have... person to be like, I really need this coffee. I don't care that it's been 
pooped out. <laughs> they were having a serious caffeine headache and they needed to figure something out. So they were desperate. Digestion. I bet the digestion process does something to the bean that makes it special in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's my guess. I did a whole uh, speech about this once, and the digestive process does, in fact, um, give the bean like some sort of very smooth coffee flavor with and it reduces like um like aftertaste and it's supposed to be just a really delectable cup of coffee i would try it delectable it's mm-hmm. my word of the week i like smooth bubblegum mm. same thing yeah exactly exactly all right so that was the end of the game let's check in with our sirens on their scores all right, so because this is an audio podcast, I will translate to the listeners. <laughs> Sara is sitting here with six fingers up, TC with four, and Jess with three. But you know what? You're all winners in my book. Congratulations. Yay. Did you have fun playing Yay. Urban yeah. Legends and Myth tonight? Yes. That was fun. Good. It was fun. Well, Learned we wanna... some new Urban Legends. Yeah, same. Well, we want to leave our listeners with a challenge. Do some research about an urban legend from your hometown or the place you call home now. Tell your friends a story. See what kinds of conversations you can spark. And then tell us all about it by using the hashtag Siren Soapbox on all the social medias. Sirens, thank you so much for playing along with me. I had a lot of fun researching this game, but more fun playing with you. Thank you so much. And thank you, fellow explorers, for listening to this episode. Please follow our podcast, rate and review on whatever platform you're listening right now. It really does help our show get discovered by other explorers just like you. And if you like the show, please share it with at least one person you think would enjoy it, too. So the next time someone tells you a cautionary tale that they heard from a friend of a friend, ask yourself, is this true? Or is this an urban legend? Question everything, my friends. Until next time, dive in, (laughs) stay curious, and be happy. Also a challenge, too, is to say fallacious in a sentence. Oh, yeah. Challenge part B, (laughs) say fallacious in a sentence. At work this week. To your boss. Let, say it let to your us boss. know the reactions from your coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag your latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the Sirens on all the social medias. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.